Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for tuning in to the War Report radio series. I'm your gracious host, Jared Adams. You can find us on the iTunes podcast section under War Report radio series. We are back with another great episode, another great interview. Today, my subject, Mike Hobbs, the political operative, the political strategist, the millennial strategist. Very important conversation, very important brother. As far as this New Jersey political scene and nationwide political scene is concerned, I'm telling you right now, the War Report is the future. Just check out my first episodes back. First, we had the BNB brand. We had Josh Shakur. We had Kenny Battle. Now we got Mike Hobbs. I'm telling you, I believe in myself. I believe in my brand. I believe in the people who I am interviewing. That's one of the keys to success. Now, I won't really waste your time. I'm going to get straight into this interview. Definitely worth your undivided attention. Please pay attention to these gems. We're dropping on you. Be involved. That's one thing I will say after this interview. Be involved in the political discussion, the political intercourse that we are engaged in on the War Report. They don't want us to be involved. They don't want us to use our minds and discuss ideas and force narratives on these politicians but the war report is all about bringing people together through discussion learning more about each other learning more about ourselves with that being said man here's the interview peace oh and really quickly before i get out of here shout out to anybody that i might have met down there in new orleans at nabj that's the national association of black journalists it's almost like the new year for black journalists i want to report back there uh, to you guys Next year, uh, the conference is going to be in Detroit, so we'll see what happens. We'll see if I make it to Detroit. New Orleans is like a a great vacation place to be, especially if you stay downtown and not venture out to uh, some of the uh, other areas that they tell you not to go to. So if you stay downtown in New Orleans, you're pretty much good to go. Great city, great food. Shout out to NABJ. Definitely changed my life, gave me a new perspective on what I have to do within this next year. And... uh, that's, that's all I'm going to say, guys. Let's get into this Mike Hobbs interview, man. Peace. Welcome back to the War Report, guys. I got a very special guest with me today, this evening. Today is Monday, August 14th. Uh, first and foremost, man, introduce yourself to the people. Who are you? What do you do? What's your name? Let them know. So my name is Michael Hobbs. Um, I'm on Instagram at, at Mike is Newark. Um, I'm a political operative, strategist. Um, I work for a firm by the name of More Strategies. I'm the president and founder of More Strategies. Yeah, from okay. Newark, New Jersey. Okay, all right, Newark representative. And uh, just to get a reader some background or listener some background, rather. Uh, I've known this gentleman for a very long time, so it's only natural that uh, when we start back on the war report, this guy's one of the first subjects that we interview. Very interesting fellow by the name of Mike Hobbs. Now... We're going to get right into it. We're not going to waste too much time on this one. Uh, break down how you got your start off in the political scene. Let's, start off, let's start off there and uh, give people like kind of a timeline and uh, move them, fast forward them into 2017, present day. Word. So we're we going to make this quick. You know, I don't really like talk about myself, but we're going we gonna, to we gonna do it. Okay. Um, so I started, I started, you know, in politics at 16 as a student organizer at University High School. Okay. Um, we shout organized. Out to University High School. Yo, shout, out to, shout out to the Phoenix. Uh, shout out to the Phoenix. So um, at 16, we led a we led a protest against like the budget cuts and, and Chris Christie, who was governor. He had just gotten the office. He was slashing everything, laying off teachers, like really just affecting our overall quality education. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, myself, a couple of a great other organizers from the city. Some of them went to university, some from other schools, like banded together and formed a coalition that like moved 7,000 students like, you know, for a walkout. You know, that was like one of the first times that like, you know, NORCAT started seeing student protests since like the 60s. So like, we got a lot of like, you know, notoriety and publicity in that space. Mm-hmm. And then from there, I just transitioned into doing like, you know, education policy work. 
So I worked for, I interned for a lot of organizations in that ed space. Um, and from mm-hmm. that, like, I just kept going. Like, I never really stopped. Um, and I went to college. Like, I didn't major in political science. I majored in business. Mm-hmm. Um, and But I still was active working on campaigns. Mm-hmm. Um, Which campaigns? So I worked for, so I started, like, so after I did the, the student walkout, I worked for a gentleman by the name of Savard Jeffries. Um, I was, like, his student organizer. Mm-hmm. So, like, we were able to move a lot of those same people who were, you know, coming out in our protests to, you know, actually be votes for him. So, like, from that space, like, you know, we, you know, not to tip my own cap, but we, we got him the largest turnout in uh, in the school board election out of the South Ward in, North, in the history of the school board election. Okay. So, like, you know, that That's was, facts. like, that was facts. Like, all facts. Straight so, facts. like, we were able to really move like the needle on the electoral politics tip so like I was able from that I was able to parlay that into other opportunities um, and from there I just like really learned the, like I started learning the business a little bit okay let me let me stop you right there before we get too too far I will let you finish your timeline of events you know what I mean because Javari Jeffries I'm assuming is still kind of high school to college I'm assuming yeah, like, high, right, sc- yeah. high school to college yeah because I had to Stop you there and talk about a little bit about Shavar Jeffries, right? Word. Because he did run for mayor in 2016, uh, and he lost to our current mayor, Raz Baraka. Now, yeah. I'm not going to ask you your direct opinion on Shavar Jeffries. You know what I mean? I know you have a different relationship than I might have from the outside looking in, right? Yeah. But at the time of his school board election, what had he done technically to really be on the school board, in your opinion? So... Shavar has an interesting background as okay. an, he's an attorney. Okay. So Shavar, like he he represented a lot of parents, and he also at the time he was I think he was the president, board president mm-hmm. of um, the Boys and Girls Club here in Newark. Okay. So he helped save the Boys and Girls Club from being extinct in Newark by helping them raise money. So that was one of the things that really like you know brought him to notoriety in Newark. Mm-hmm. And then on top of that, like he represented parents in different cases against like the school district where people weren't getting the, the proper education they wanted they would deserve to get. Okay. People in traditional so public schools. His background. People in traditional public schools, like, you know, going to schools that they felt like weren't meeting their needs. Kids would eat IEPs, not really getting the services that they need to get. Okay. So like he he was more he wasn't really known to the community for the work he does. Mm-hmm. But like people like operatives and people who like are attorneys, they typically unless they really out here running in front of cameras, mm-hmm. like you don't really know who these people are, but they they be out there fighting for us. So, okay. like, on that respect, like, you know, Savar had done a lot, like, on the legal end to help black kids. Mm-hmm. And then, on top of that, he started, he was on the, he started a school. So, people don't know that Shavar started, like, was he was, like, one of the, the founding, um, you know, members of, of KIPP. So, okay. he brought KIPP to Newark, and he, you know, and that's where he it's began. As a charter school. So, that began to get him, like, you know, a little more notoriety from people in the community started to know his work. Okay. So, as he built up his brand, he was like, you know... Not even brand, but just built up his like his notoriety. You know, his notoriety Name in the city. Brand. People started asking him, "Are you going to run?" And you know, Shavar. I don't think Shavar is a person who, mm-hmm. like, you know, shies away from you know being being an advocate for the community behind scenes, behind the closed doors, or you know, in, in public. Campaign. So like, you know, that was a natural move for him. Okay. All right. Now, you did mention the Boys and Girls Club. Now, some somebody listening to this mm-hmm. interview is going to say. Well, some of the boys and girls clubs actually closed down. Uh, but you got to you got to understand the economic climate. I'm not, I'm, yeah, I'm not trying to blame him. 2006, like 2007, 2008, everything was closing down, right? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like we were like this is like during the time where when Booker first got in office, you know what I mean? Like and then we had the economic downturn 2008, 2009. Mm-hmm. So like every, like there was no funding. Like you got to look at it like this. Like boys and girls club is a is like funded by donors. Yeah. Right. When the economic climate goes down and it affects yeah. people's businesses, like the people who donate to those things and they they're have businesses, they're not donating anymore because they're trying to take care of their families. Okay. Well, so, well, I'm glad you're able to clear that up because yeah. a lot of people listening, they're not really going to grasp the fact that the Boys and Girls Club is donor based and donor run. You know what I mean? As far as how they do that, find how they do their financials, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, I, me personally, I didn't know that. You know I mean, I just see a boys and girls club closing down. I just think it's wrong. Yeah, uh, I, I feel the same you're way. Right. So, like, but if the money isn't there, then there's, it's, it's impossible to run a program there. Yeah, but you you got you also got to understand that, like, and this is to everybody, like, people don't donate 
to causes as much no more. Like they donate to the person who's like running that operation. Okay. So Savar being being from Newark, being an attorney, representing like kids in these high profile like cases, mm-hmm. like that allowed him to attract donors to come and say like, you know what? He's over there like he's doing this great work. Like we're going to donate on his behalf because he's the president of this organization. Okay. So like, you know, like even though he might not have saved all 10 of them, mm-hmm. right? If he's able to save 3, to me that's a win because 3 is better than 0. Okay. You feel all me? All right. Well, let's move on uh past the timeline. Word. After the uh school board campaign with Shavar, uh what what was next for you? So I was in college, man. Okay. I was in college. Like I was really just trying to like figure out myself what, you wanted to do, what I wanted to do in my life. Like were. I had all these amazing experiences, right? Like you know, working on campaigns. Um, during that time, we Ron Rice ran for um, ran for Congress, mm-hmm. and I was able to do some work on his campaign too. Okay. So like you know, just you know, in between all of that, like I'm like, you know, and a lot of people don't know this, but like I wasn't the greatest academic student in high school. Like I really, I really wasn't somebody who was really like you know interested like academia, in books yeah, i wasn't yeah, an academia guy smart. like i was very intelligent I, could, I was always able to do the work mm-hmm. but my motivation was different you know what i mean like okay i was um i just wasn't i just that just wasn't my my interest so like um i didn't have the opportunities like that i should have like prepared myself for to go to these prestigious universities so like i was a little my confidence was a little shot you know at that time so i'm in college but i'm like it's kind of good, like not yeah, really going through the go motions. I'll put it like this, like, you know. I just got back from New Orleans for the uh, National Association of Black Journalism Conference. Yeah. I wasn't the same guy in college. I, and in college, I, I was so naive that I thought that um, the fact that I was at this like prestigious university would be enough. Yeah. You know I mean? And uh, it's just not the case. You yeah. Know I mean? But now at 25, you know what I mean? I've, I've, I've traveled enough to, to know how to network with these people nowadays where... I feel a lot more comfortable in myself and who I am as a mm-hmm. person that I can have a conversation with somebody that I even looked up to just all my life. You know what yeah. I mean? So, you know, it, it, like whoever's listening out there, don't feel ashamed if you don't know what you want to do when you're 21 or 22 years old. It takes like, a little while and it takes a lot of experiences that you have to go through to figure out this is who I am and this is where I'm going to go. Word. You know what I mean? So, all right, now get back to your story. Now, coming out of college now, or like, let's speed it up a little bit, right? Okay. Uh, what was it that kind of, you know what I mean, made you figure out like, nah, this is my lane and this is what I want to do and I'm, I'm sticking with it? So, um, wow, a lot of things. Okay. Like, I had already, so, you know, via the internships and the, the people that I had met from Shavar's, you know, campaign, like, I was around a lot of high-level conversations. Okay. Right? And like... Like you just said, like exposure really changes your mindset about things. Mm-hmm. So like when I came out of college, like when I was getting ready to come out of college, I had interned for Frank Lautenberg. I had interned for, you know, like some education nonprofits. Mm-hmm. And I had I got to work directly with leaders. So like my mindset was like not the same as a typical college graduate. Like I was coming out on some like, yo, I'm already a boss. Like I need to find me a position where I could like use yeah. my mind and use the training flourish. that I have gotten to, to lead. Okay. So like most people coming in looking for like a like a you entry. know an entry level job just to get pay the bills and my mindset is like nah I'm a boss. I already know how to do this stuff. Like I've been around, like I've been influencing like mm-hmm. people's work now, behind the you, scenes. Now so, obviously you're still on the right path to that, right? But oh yeah. Coming out maybe like three, 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 four years ago, right? Were you were you accurate in that assessment or did you still had to learn a little bit more before you really really starting to take off? Now. So definitely, like I like I came out, like I said, I came out with a mindset, but like you know, like experiences humble you. Okay, you know what I mean. So like I was able, I came out with that mindset, but I also like so my first job out of college, I worked for an organization by the name of Bayo, okay. the Black Alliance for Educational Options. So it's still in the education policy realm, mm-hmm. right? When I when I first applied for that job, I applied for the executive director position. People don't know that. Like I came out, I had got an interview, like an interview for it. I thought I had a good shot at getting it. Mm-hmm. Had the right recommendations, all that type of stuff. Um, but I didn't get it. So they came back to me, like um, probably like a probably like four months later, and saying that they, that they had another opportunity that they thought I would be a better fit for mm-hmm. because I didn't have the experience to be leading the organization. Yeah. Um. So at first I was like, nah, like. 
Like nah, like yeah, I had. I, I still, was... still have that. Uh, yeah. About me, you know what I mean. If I wasn't good for you then, then why? Why would I? Yeah. Why am I good for you now? And but I... my experience with that is uh, with uh, Northwestern University. You know what I mean? Facts. Uh, I just came back from uh, the conference or whatever, and they got like a graduate program. And uh, actually, J. A. Adonde, he's, he's, he's I'm not saying he quit his journalism career, but he he stopped. He put it on hold to be a professor there. And be an advocate for the graduate program there at uh, Northwestern University where he went to school. But coming out of high school, I didn't get in there for undergrad. So I'm, I feel just kind of weird, you know what I mean, even trying to go there for, for graduate school. You yeah. Know I mean? Maybe Syracuse. I'm looking at Syracuse right now as, as, as a better lane for me as a school that was like really wanting me to go there for undergrad. But I chose University of Maryland. But now, you know what I mean, it, it kind of it, it gives me a better vibe about the school mm-hmm. now. That I, I may be looking for a graduate program. So proceed, please, continue, please, going on with your conversations. So yeah, so you know, it was just, it was very humbling, like yeah. you know, to like not get told that you you you, you think you, you think you the shit, you think you the shit, right? Yeah. And then somebody tell you not the shit. Well, but even if you even become if you worth, could handle it, even yeah. If even if, you, if I say, even it, say, yeah. say you could handle it, right? Yeah. They don't think you can. They don't think I can. And then when and then when I got so fast forward, I took the job. Yeah. Um. I took the job. I'm working in. The, I'm working there. Like I'm. I'm learning some new things, mm-hmm. meeting some new people. Like I'm getting. I'm getting an opportunity to do some higher level work as well as some of the, my own responsibilities. And eventually, I just didn't feel like it was the right space for me. Like I really still had that drive to be a boss mm-hmm. and to like really run my own thing. So like I really kind of began to feel like I was like you know, I was only using like 20 percent of my ability. So I kind of just like started falling back, and I you know I had. A great, you know, mentor that, you know, a couple of great mentors who I had in my ear at the time who were just telling me, you know, just, just, you know, stick around. But eventually, like, I had to, like, you know, make my own decision and I decided to leave. So once I left, like, it was around the same time Bernie was, like, getting ready to announce. So I, I immediately was Hold just on. like. Now, before you get into Bernie, right? Yeah. I have another just quick, quick tipping question because I understand that you also spent some time at Newark BCDC. Now, okay. it was Bayo after that opportunity or before? Please so, Bayo. So, all right. So, I did four and a half years in college. Like, the half year. Like was because I, I just had a minor I wanted to finish up in sociology. Yeah. But like, um, I was able to intern that summer, like at BCDC. Yeah. And I thought that I was parlaying that opportunity into a job with BCDC. Yeah. Um, who that you know while they were transitioning, but I, I didn't actually. So I, I worked hard that whole summer, like really bust my ass, mm-hmm. and I, I I made some you know, create some great. Some great contacts, contacts. Uh, you know, delivered on some great projects, ideas, and you know, um, that I really felt like could influence the direction of like the economic agenda for the city. But it just wasn't a good. I don't think they. I think with all the transition and everything, like, I kind of just got a little lost in the sauce. Okay. Like they were bringing in new executive directors. Like the guy I was interning for was replaced, and somebody else came in, and it was just like a lot of moving parts. So I just don't think I really was like you know able to. Seize that opportunity Because of the things That were just happening Behind the scenes Yeah it was kind of Out of your control It was out of my control Really Yeah so like The hungry kid You're looking for Different opportunities just, Yeah A lot of the times You know uh, Some things were out of your control But A lot, a lot right. of things are timing man Yeah yeah Timing is t- big Timing bro. is crazy And uh, God's plan is God's plan That's Absolutely. what I'm starting to realize About life Absolutely That's what uh, a lot of my peers Are starting to tell me about And you know what I mean? You live and you learn. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, can you please continue. So, you're getting into the Bernie conversation, which I really want to discuss with you. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, how'd you get involved with Bernie? What was so appealing to Bernie to you? And uh, just explain how that all played out for you. Now, this is kind of gearing towards more into present day within the yeah. past year and a half, two years of your experience in your life. So, like, break down how you got involved with Bernie and what was so appealing about his campaign. So with Bernie, it was just that, you know, he was speaking from social justice issues. Um, He was talking about a lot of the things that really excited young people around in the Occupy movement. So, like, you know, his rhetoric, his policies, like, really identified with me and, like, identified with a lot of young people around the country. Um, And I looked at it as an opportunity. Like, when when I just started looking at, like, where I really wanted my career to go, like, I, I really didn't, I don't see, I can never see myself working at a desk job. Like, you know, like I really like after, you know, the whole BCDC experience, like I understood that I could flourish in that type of position 
being being having it being nine to five where I actually gotta like you know report to somebody I could do that like if I really wanted to mm-hmm. but like ultimately like I'm a creative and like you know like I feel that being in a position where I like I'm not behind a desk like best suits my skill set absolutely so like um you know the Bernie opportunity I was just like you know what like ain't nobody in New Jersey like I already knew Hillary we already knew Hillary was running yeah. And like if you understand politics You understand that like Relationships are key Like I knew Bernie didn't have The relationships here in New Jersey To really move people the same way mm-hmm. And I felt like Because of the work I had been doing Like you know In the space It was perfect for you Like it was a perfect opportunity For me to just see some stuff From some outsiders So like How, how campaigns work Is when they come to your state Like they typically If they don't have like Strong relationships They just send folks So okay. like I was here. They, they, they send four folks. You mean they like, send they send folks like if do they don't have they send folks. What do so you like mean? on a, on a national campaign, like you'll have like operatives that come from other states oh. to come and work in that state for the time for Absolutely. that election. All right, I understand. But like I'm from here. I've been in this space. Like I'm. I'm you know a, how to navigate. I know. I know the. I know the landscape better than anybody who could ever come out of here. Come out here, right? So I'm like. I'm not about to just let them eat Like you know what I mean And have the whole opportunity So I just kind of just like On some like grassroots gutter stuff I just took the opportunity from them Okay Like I had my I already had my team Like you know what I mean So like I was just like Yo like I don't know who you got running this But they not running it no more mm-hmm. So I just so kind of just took, o- took it over Okay And um We ended up doing some great things We had a, a huge rally with Larry Ham mm-hmm. Um A great you know, historical figure in the city of Shout New York. Shout out to Larry Ham. Shout out to Larry Ham. Um, with Pop, People's Organization for Progress. Like, they really held it down. People's Organization for Progress. If y'all got some extra money, definitely donate. Like, um, Larry Ham is all about the business. Bro. They all, he about the business and he about the people. That's about the first thing. He's about that action. Shout He's out a, to Larry Ham. Yeah, shout out to Larry Ham. He's about the people, man. Um, just working with them to, like, you know, really... Just you know, start moving some needles around around Essex County specifically okay. for Bernie. Like we did a lot of stuff. We had a couple of events, um, and Good then question. like well, not to stop you, mm-hmm. but uh, how did that parlay into the Nork for Bernie event, which was another huge success? So that's of, so that's one. Yeah, that's where you were headed to. That's right? where I'm headed. Yeah. So essentially, like you know, we were we were out. We had our team out, mm-hmm. and then like you know, the primary was was um, June 6th so June 6th in, in, pol- in political terms Like The weekend before or Sometimes even the week before Like an election. election It's called GOTV Which means Get out the vote Yeah So like Get out the vote Encompasses like Sending people out To knock on doors Like sending out flyers Like um, You know Having just events visibility. visibility events Like um, having rallies All that mm-hmm. type of stuff Just people just standing there with a, with a flyer Or like a banner helps Yep Yeah But the, the key thing Commercials Commercials All that so the key thing about this campaign was that like Bernie was still in it mm-hmm. up into the primary. Like he was really like him and Hillary were really close. Absolutely. So like they had a lot of the, the campaign resources tied up in California because that's where most of the votes were. Yeah. So like they didn't have a lot of money to spend in New Jersey, but and they didn't have people. I had people. Yeah. So like I was able to just like be like, yo, like, I know y'all got this, y'all got y'all situation, but like I'm here, I'm hungry, and I'm just taking this opportunity. So like, y'all let y'all just you know connect me with who I need to be connected with to make this happen. So we just you know we just did it real grassroots, bro. We spent our own money. Like we had the we had um we did a rally. We did two rallies. We did one in Jersey City. Shout out to uh, Priscilla Ortiz from Jersey City, like a real real uh, thorough activist out there. Okay, um, shout out to him. Shout out to, it's a girl. Oh, shout out Priscilla to her. Ortiz. Sorry. Yeah, shout out to her. Um. Like, we did something in Dirty City, and then we did some stuff out here in Newark. And the Newark piece was big because, like, at that same day, like, the, the Ironbound Community Ca- Corporation had a parade. So, like, we, this is, like, all, this is this is how you know, like, when you move in a certain way and God's aligning things for you. Yeah. Like, shit just keeps getting bigger when you put your energy in it. Mm-hmm. So, like, I'm putting my energy into making this happen, not really having real time to connect with everybody, but... Like the day before we, we planned this big protest, like I find out about 
the Ironbound Community Corporation, the River Day Parade. Mm-hmm. So they have all the organizations we have been reaching out to mm-hmm. were already planned to be downtown during the same exact time we were going to have the, the protest. Yeah. So, like, we just ended up combining efforts. Yeah. And it made it a lot bigger of an event. And it was yeah. just, like, divine timing and everything. Yeah. So, like, we made a lot of noise, like, getting, you know, Bernie. Because they were all Bernie. And the crazy thing is, not only... Where they and have they this Bernie event, supporters. they were Bernie supporters too. Yeah, okay. They were all the organizations that were progressive and really like you know left leaning. So it was just like a, a perfect storm. And um, from that, like we were able to like we hosted this you know North for Bernie weekend. We had the rally. We had a um, we had like a little phone banking slash like you know I don't even know what the, I don't even know what the call it event. Yeah. But it was like we had like artists come out and perform for Bernie. We had like. Um, activists coming out for speakers. Yeah. Uh, shout out to Nook for uh, not shout out to uh, Black Men for Bernie. Yeah. Black Men for Bernie is a national organization that like have been traveling the country to advocate for Bernie. A bunch of black brothers, okay. all different political philosophies, but they were big and they had a large following. They, they drove all the way up from Virginia mm-hmm. to um, to come rock with us and help us with the event. Okay. And we had a good, we had a great turnout, man. Okay. Like, I'll ask you this, right? This is my next question for you now. Mm-hmm. Do you feel that Hillary Clinton stole the Democratic uh, nominee from Bernie Sanders, or did she win it out fair, fair and square? Because there were some states, I, I, I think, that Bernie had. There, it was in question, but the super delegates stated they were still going to uh, give their super delegates to Hillary Clinton. What is your view on the Hillary versus Bernie, uh, 2016? Democratic uh, national election. What, what's your opinion on that? Because that's pretty much the story right now. And and I'm pretty sure Bernie's campaign is, is is suing the DNC right now. So you gotta speak on that right now. You be probably the the illest voice to speak on that. You gotta. What's your what's your take? So I think that Bernie would have won the general election. I think he would have beaten Trump. He, he probably would have. He probably would have washed the floor with Trump. Um, but he lost in the primary. Um, he lost New Jersey, mm-hmm. and um, he didn't win enough votes in California to make it close. Okay. So All at right, the end now. of the day, like you know, Hillary was the person that the Democratic Party wanted. Like that's who won the nomination. So like, I mean, that we can say whatever we want to say, mm-hmm. like about how we feel like everything rolled out and how it played out. But ultimately, Hillary was the person who won, and she lost the general election. Now we have Trump as a president. Like, I'm not gonna get caught up in the weeds about like. My personal feelings about it Because it's irrelevant Like You okay. know what I mean Well I will ask you about this Hillary Clinton did come to Newark During her campaign I'm not sure if it was the Yeah uh, She had a rally It was more, it was more presidential It was outside opposition We had all All, all 40 of us Was yeah. out there In our in our Bernie swag yeah, Like going yeah. against him And it was a lot of uh, Tension in Philadelphia So I went down the, to uh, the DNC Yeah at the DNC Yeah right? it was so crazy what was, what was that like the DNC was an amazing experience. Like just like um, you know, being around a lot of the top political figures, like in the country, they were all in Philly. Yeah. So like wherever you go, like you run into somebody that was like super duper connected. So like that was a great experience. I think from a from a like activist perspective, there was a lot of protests, like, you know, about the decision to, you know, continue with Hillary's nomination. Mm-hmm. Um, because they felt like, you know, in different states they felt like, you know, some of the elections weren't really like you know fair. Real elections. Some people felt like you know there was some voter suppression stuff going on. Um, I don't. I can't really speak to that. I know in New Jersey there wasn't no voter suppression. Like you could go to the lines and see that there weren't people really voting. Yeah. Like um as like in a in a way the numbers that they should have like for a guy like Bernie who was like I voted for Bernie. I voted for Bernie too, and I and you know but like. In my state, I can speak about New Jersey. I wasn't in yeah. every state. Okay, I can speak about New Jersey, and I I don't think there was personally any okay like voter suppression. Why do you think Trump was able to defeat Hillary Clinton though in the uh... because he was weakened from the primary? Like okay. people, I think like the, the general public's feelings about her was just negative, like because of mm-hmm. like a lot of stuff that like people perceived that happened during like you know during the primary. during the primaries. Like okay, could, now she came out the primary a very scarred candidate. And like, had Bernie had had Bernie, you know, garnered enough support to win, like he would have been much more positioned, like to you know to be you know to the be candidate. Trump. But you know, the other thing about this is like a lot of people don't know that like when you're a politician and you're in the public eye for a long time, mm-hmm. and like you know you like you grow like just like with anything else, like it's like a, it's like a basketball player, right? Mm-hmm. 
you know, when 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 LeBron James came in the league, he came in the league a monster, but like he's not the same LeBron that he is today. You know what I mean? Well, well what do you like, mean by that? You're saying that. Uh... Even I'm saying you for grow. Example, like for example, like even though LeBron, you grow as a player. Has been uh, whatever. They said LeBron didn't have finals. no jumper. They said LeBron had no jumper when he came in the league. Okay. Right? They said you got to just. But make- you're saying it almost like if you're using that analogy though, you're saying almost a lot of a lot of things that Hillary had were almost a positive. Where it's actually the, the kind of the opposite though. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that you grow. Like I'm just saying as a, specifically as you yeah, grow, okay. as you mature in the spotlight of your position. Like LeBron matured in the spotlight of his position, and so did Hillary. Like she changed her visions on different things. She changed her views as she matured as a person and got to understand the will of the people. Like that's what your job as a politician is: is to really bend to the will of the people, right? Okay. So like when public perception was high against certain things, right? She had to be like out front against those things because you're not you're not in like in a position to like not. That's the thing. Like if you're a career politician. Like, you're not just there for four years. Like, you're trying to, like, escalate your career. Mm-hmm. So, like, you got to go with what the people want. You know what I mean? Okay. And if you're not well, doing now, that, they'll vote you out of that seat. Well, so, her, like, she, like, grew and her opinions changed because people's opinions changed. Like, as we woke up as people, like, her views changed on things because she she's polling. She's seeing what people care about. You know what I mean? Like that's and that's any politician. Had Bernie, uh, had Bernie. I mean, Bernie. I don't know if I really agree with that per se. I don't really think that. Uh, I think that uh, politicians actually aren't moving to what the people actually want and what they're actually thinking. I think that they're using it to their advantage politically. Maybe mm-hmm. you could say that, but deep down, they don't really. You know what I mean? Like really care. You know what I mean? What the American people really think. Or what they really want You know what I mean Or like It's hard to really scale Because every one person Is, is only worth one vote Right But At the same time We can get into to the whole Cory Booker uh, Endorsing uh, uh, Federal Marijuana You know what I mean At, a, at the federal stage Right mm-hmm. Why wasn't he saying that Five years ago Why is he Why is it just popular now Because It's a possibility now Or like or the fact that you know what I mean. This is this is his opportunity to possibly run for president in 2020. You know what I mean. I kind of see it as fake. You know what I mean. But I'm all for it. At I'm gonna have to stop you right there. Okay. So I'm gonna answer the first part. Right. The first part was like um, about you know maturing your views to to meet the needs of the people. Okay. So I think that like regardless of like what your personal opinions are. Mm-hmm. You're in elected office to bend to the will of the people. Like, you have to, on at least, you're in that seat to, to serve me. I'm a taxpaying resident of, that's how of, it's of to America. Work in theory, of America, right? In theory, that's so, how like, it works. you do what I tell you to do because I'm paying your salary. I'm paying, like, you feel me? In so, theory. even so, even if you publicly, you privately disagree, like, with what I'm saying or what we want, like, we gonna like this. We, we you gotta, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta say what, what we care about. What, what you're saying is this is the nature issues, of the beast. The public can't force the hand of politicians. That's basically what you're saying. You said some for some of the issues the public can't or can. They can. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. I agree with that. And now, so like for that, you know, with Hillary, we can just close this out with Hillary right here. Yeah. Like you know, Hillary was in a position where she had to, you know. Changed a lot of her views because, like, the world of people just had changed so much. Millennials, like, we're such a powerful generation in terms of, like, access to social media and, like, putting our projecting our thoughts and opinions out, out in the there. out in the universe okay. for everybody to see. The Twitterverse. So, like, you know, you know, 50 years ago, like, the only way that they could actually, or not even 50 years ago, 20 years ago, right? This is how fast we're moving. The only way they could understand what we wanted as a general public yeah, was calling us on the oh, phone really, really? and doing polls. Like okay. Quinnipiac, like all those, you know, organizations that do like polling, mm-hmm. like they would call people and be like, yeah, they call and they always call the same. They always call the same amount of people. Like they have a list of people who they call. It's always the same folks. Like, you know, they get called for everything. So like, all right, I'm calling these people to see if they care about this and that. And that's how they, they, they use that, those numbers they get from the polling to project what the rest of the people care about. Right. And that's not that's never been a true representative of like what people's real feelings are, but it's the mm-hmm. closest thing they can get to. Because okay. they don't like nobody has money to call every single person in America. Okay. You feel me? But like yeah. now that millennials are on social media, getting our opinions sourced is such an easier thing to do. 
Like okay. because we're tweeting about it. And when something happens, we inst- we instantly tweeting, posting Instagram memes. Like we on social, we on Snapchat, video chat. You know, putting the videos up. So like our our views are out there in the ethers for everybody to see. Yeah. Like so now we're vocal, but we're talking about it right now on the wall. Yeah. Board. So like so now it's like oh snap like. They are. They really do yeah, feel this way. We're, we're enhancing the conversation. So we gotta, we gotta, we gotta appease these folks. Like, yeah. if we want their votes, so he, so heck yeah, they're gonna like people gonna change their opinions on things. But like, that don't mean I don't think Hillary's a, a overall bad person. Okay. Like, I don't think like you know the whole vandalization of Hillary was like was really warranted. But it's like politics, bro. Like it's mudslinging. Like that's what happens. Like during primary. During primary season, that's what happens. Like it's part of the game. Like oh, okay. it happens that way. Like especially okay. when you when you've been around the public eye so long, like people gonna have dirt on you. Like okay, now, but that's enough politics right now as far facts. as na- nationwide, nationwide. Excuse me. Uh, what I really want to talk to you about now is uh, your brand, your company, and millennial outreach that okay. you try to do. So what is it that you try to bring to the table when you when you speak about millennial outreach? Because we are talking about how we're kind of changing the, the, the game and yeah. the, the conversation. So, like, Definitely. what's your strategy? And, like, what do you try to bring to the table when you when you enter the, the boardroom or the meeting room, whatever, whatever the case may be? So, for me, it's just about, like, you know, so I think we, we talked a little bit about polling, right? And we yeah. talked about, like, how... Like, you know, people source the opinions of, like, young people differently than they did in previous generations. So, like, just being able to get that information to, like, the candidates, like, filling out, figuring ways to, like, really get them to see what young people care about, mm-hmm. like, in creative ways. It's whether what it's, you do. It's what I do. Um, also, like, you know, the way media has, has worked over the last 50 years and when it comes to, to, to campaigns has changed. Okay. And it's like we're on the we're really on the cusp of complete disruption, right? Like social media is becoming more and more an important piece of like how you like your campaign optics. Like before, like you seeing people spend twenty, thirty million dollars just on like TV ads, right? Yeah. But now still millennials, important. it's still, still important. important. It's still an important it's piece. Part, but but what I saw from uh, well, I will get back to Trump real quick. What I saw from Trump, he didn't really have that many ads like months, months. You know what I mean? Lean back, but he really ratcheted up like the mean TV ads like the week before the election. Where it was like, do you really want the Clinton baggage in the White House? And it was just over and over and again. I saw that narrative. And I think that really like kind of pushed him over the top over Hillary. But yeah, get back into what you do though. I don't wanna I don't wanna yeah. keep talking about that. So it was just so I think um just being more strategic with your T V dollars is like is important for a lot of campaigns now, right? Yeah. Like you don't have to like it's expensive still. It's expensive. It's still it's always gonna be an expense that's not, that's like justified. Mm-hmm. But like the way that the, the the way that the market is going, like you don't have to spend like eighty five percent of your campaign budget on T V ads no more. Like yeah. the money should be going out to getting people like volunteers and people out to knock on doors. Like mm-hmm. and that's the conversation that we having. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. yo, like you need to be really engaging folks. You really need to be knocking on doors. Like Forget like doing TV ads all the time. Organizing town halls. Organizing town halls, like you know, that's a really important thing. But then, you know, being able to know how to do the town halls in a way that gets young people engaged and get them in a room is another. That's another thing that I feel like I'm an expert at, right? Okay. Um, just like you know, so to go a little bit back to the Bernie thing, like I, I held a um, without I, I ran a test run for a model that I created for Millennial Town Halls. And um, it really just encompassed, like, using a lot of arts and culture, like, to really, you know, have the conversation move differently and keep them involved and engaged at a different level, right? So, like, that model is what I've been, like, when I I meet with companies and I meet with, like, um, campaigns about, like, how they should, like, really think about engaging millennials. Mm -hmm. It's, like, it's really arts and culture based, you know, like, using different... Like strategies that it, that it, to you know boost their social media, mm-hmm. you know, um, and get people really talking about like you know the important things like your policies yeah. and what you view. I think one question that um, all politicians, right, mm-hmm. if, if, say if this you know what I mean viral one clip video uh, blows up, right, all politicians should probably really ask the question: Is how do I get a, a millennial to actually buy into what I'm saying? On TV Like how do I not Come across as the, A politician From 20 years ago Where yeah. The younger guys Or just millennials In general Guys and girls rather 
We don't have to accept what you're telling us anymore. We don't have to believe what you're gonna, what you're okay, saying. Okay, Google. Far, yeah, yeah. We don't have to. We don't have to. We don't. We don't have to do that anymore. Do yeah. it. You know what I mean? Uh, and I think we kind of talked about this off the record. The way Trump kind of came in, no matter what you can say about him, but he's not really a politician for one. And on top of that, he used. I guess some type of uh, his his savvy as far as just being on the, on the, on on TV for so long, of just taking over narratives and just you know what I mean just being honest. You know what I mean speaking his truth, even though his truth might be like fucked up or yeah. racist or whatever the case may be. People bought into just the honesty of what he was saying, and you know what I mean they 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 believe in the First Amendment and and. That's, I think, what propelled him into the White House, man. What, what's your take on that? Now, it's, so, it's tough to come on here and, and uh, like, really admit that. You know what I mean? But at the end of the day, I'm a firm believer in... So... If he could do it, then that gives me the opportunity to give say what the fuck I want to say. So, I... Mean, I, I believe in that. I 150% agree with, like, with a lot of the what, things you just said. Um... I won't say I agree with everything. Yeah. But I, I agree to I agree with the fact that like Trump has really changed the narrative and changed about what's like cultural norms. Mm-hmm. So like one of the things that's really important is to know that and I want everybody to like listen to this, like to to walk away with this at one point. Mm-hmm. Like political correctness is dead. Like there's it's no more dead. respectability politics. Like, can't respect it you, It's done Like nobody cares Why should we Nobody cares about the person Who's just gonna come up in here And tell you what you wanna hear all day Like we want people Who gonna say something That's real Like Yeah Like when I And that's 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 what Like you know A lot of the conversations I'm having with folks Is just like Yo like You gotta be You can't just come up here With your Your practice You yeah, know Talking resume, points With your resume your talking, talking points In your resume And think that you're gonna be able To win elections Like it's not It's not working like that no more Millennials, we woke. Like, we Google everything you say. Like, yeah. why are you saying it? And if you're wrong, we're going to raise our hand and say, yo, you're wrong and you're lying. Like, yeah. so you got to be real. You also got to know how to, like, to package yourself to make yourself appealing to, like, a wider demographic of folks who don't want to see the clean cut, like, you know. The clean cut leader. The clean cut. Like, we want somebody who's relatable. Like, yeah, 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 exactly. You know what I mean? That's what's really, that's what's really big with us. Like, if we want relatable candidates and, like, the thing that really needs to change in politics, and I got I, when I went down to DNC, like winning meetings, and um, you know worked with Jimmo Green's campaign. Shout out to Jimmo. Shout out to Jimmo Green from Fox News. We really had a great opportunity to work on her campaign and um, and try and you know get her that DNC chair role. Um, that was a great experience, and just my conversations down there with a lot of leaders was just that you know, ultimately. Like you can't just you like the way you train for you train candidates has to change, you know. Like you gotta understand that what you did like 20 years ago. Like a lot of people always talk about that 50 state strategy, right? That Howard Dean model, mm-hmm. and like that's it. Down for those really quickly who those don't know, because I I don't off the top of my head I don't know what the Howard Dean strategy 50 state strategy. So it was just uh, us like just the just, ability to appeal to all 50 states. Yeah, exactly, okay. and not just like focusing on like you know the states that you always win. Oh, like having okay. having people in all those states that you're mobilizing to really you know get the support you want. Okay. So like that worked and to, that worked for you know that works you know. Um, but it's just like now you got to have a 50 state strategy, but you also got to have a social media strategy. Okay. And like it can't be just like I'm gonna post and tweet. Like it has to be like I'm gonna do these other next steps to mm-hmm. keep people engaged and to get to get in front of people in a non-traditional way. And I think that's I'm not gonna get too too much into like how I do that with my yeah. firm because that's proprietary information. But like in terms of just having that creative mindset, like when you when you're trying it's to valuable. it's valuable, it's valuable. So that's you know so that's a little bit about like you know how One things thing are changing. One thing I wanted to ask you, you know what I'm saying? You don't have to give up too much information as far because I know you're in business, but just securing securing the bag. Word. You know I mean in politics. Uh, as far as like what you can convey, what you can do for these uh, elections or, or uh, campaigns, rather, yeah, I say campaigns, right? Like, speak about that experience. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the challenges, some of your, uh, I guess, successes. You know what I mean? What's it like trying to secure a bag um, and get paid for what you can do for for a campaign? Yo, it's hard as shit. Yeah, I'm gonna keep blank point blank period. Like, it's hard. you know, so like when you, so when you. Working on campaigns, right? 
Like the main thing you gotta understand is you come into a space where people have been like working these campaigns for mm-hmm. 20, 30 years. You young. Yeah. First off, I'm twenty five years old. Yeah. Like I may have been doing this stuff since I was sixteen, but like people people like still looking at me like I'm wet behind the ears. Yeah. Like you know what I mean? So like people What's been, a new day. It's a new day That's the the first That's the number one thing You just always gotta be confident And know that Like what I'm talking about Y'all don't even understand yet Yeah yeah, Because you talking You talking You talking to people Who are like You know could be in their 60s 50s 70s Politics is an old person sport Yeah Like politics is what People traditionally did When they retired From their other careers You Mm -hmm. feel me Like you do politics After you done made Your money in business yeah. After you done like You know Did a lot of other things You know what okay. I mean So you got 60 and 70 year old People running as candidates Like And um You know They have different mindsets On how How their campaign Should be run So Just being able to um You know Secure that bag Can be Can be tough It can be daunting It's not for the faint of heart It's not for the weakest stomach Yeah You feel me Like you gotta have gotta some You gotta have some balls Like Yeah You gotta be You gotta be persistent And you gotta also you, Like People who do this shit Full time you, you know that you gotta be a hustler like, Yeah they ain't taking no breaks for you They ain't taking no breaks Like so even if, even if your pockets So if you're doing yeah. it part time Just don't even, don't even waste your time Don't waste your time bro Yeah Unless you like Unless you got the relationship like Mike Hobbs Is gonna run all over you You already know All day Tank style All day <laughs> Real report baby Yeah like, like war <laughs> You feel me You feel me lay down well, You know like but, that. You know what I mean Nah it's like that though Okay Like cause this You know People don't understand politics is, is is warfare. Like, yeah, it's like mental warfare. Like you, like people is trying to like people trying to manipulate you. Yeah, people trying to get in your head and people see how to, strong you are. People yeah. testing you at all times. People like, trying to get what it's you warfare. Yeah. What you trying to do for yourself for them under their wing? Yeah, they trying. They, they want your ideas. They want your. They want your heart. They want your soul. They want your hard work. Wow. They want all that from you. And they want. And they want you. If they can, they want you to do it for free. So wow. you got you got to be a, you got to be the type of person that don't that that's really sure of themselves. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like people, people like I get passionate when I talk about this because like you know it's your life. It's my life. Like you know what I mean. And I done been through some shit. Yeah, you know what I mean. In this space, like so, like just um you know being mentally strong and solid in myself has been something that has kept me you know motivated to do this work. Like because they will stop your your motivation and your desire to, to see change. Like they'll stomp that shit out of you with a couple of tricks, oh, you know wow. what I mean? So like, if you ain't really ready for this, like, go do something else. Go, go, yeah. go work for corporate America. Like, this shit ain't for everybody. Okay, okay, man. Really quickly, right? I don't want you to really break down uh, your current role for for the uh, Phil Murphy campaign, but yeah. if, you, if you want to just. You know what I mean? Say how long you've been working on it, what you've been up to with that. Speak on that a little so bit, been, and then I want to. Uh, then before you get out of here, I want to talk about your your stance right now on the positioning for Newark's mayor election in 2018. Facts. So speak about what you're doing with Phil Murphy right now, real quick. So I'm like I've been working with the Murphy camp since the since he first decided he wanted to run. Like um, yeah. I was on the ground, like you know, really. You know, out here before a lot of people even knew who Phil Murphy was. People still don't really know who he is, right? Yeah. But like the people in the in the political know know like the, the political circles knew who he was, but they didn't really they weren't confident that he could win because they had their own horses in the race. Okay. So like I was a part of that team that really ran those other horses out the race. Yeah. You know what I mean? So like I've been on, I've been at this for over a year now. Um, and we, you know, we we in the last, we in the home stretch now, baby. We, we ninety days from 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 a victory, like okay, less than ninety days from a victory, November November seventh. So, like you know, all those that don't know, there's a governor's race. When? November seventh. This this of this year? November. Where this, he's going this, against the Republican candidate? Yeah, correct? Kim Cardano. Kim Cardano. You know what's crazy? Yeah. A lot of people aren't aware that the governor's race right but, now in New Jersey. But this is and like the vote is November seventh. But this, the thing about Why? this race, this is like one of the biggest races in the country. Okay. Like this is like one of the only chances that Democratic, um, the Democratic leadership is going to have w. to have a W and flip a Republican House to a Democratic House. Okay. And there's only two. There's only two governor's races happening right now: the one in Virginia and the one here. Okay. So like everybody's they eyes is here like so this is a real high profile race and it's um a really a real opportunity to you know to grow my firm and like get my name out there yeah. as somebody not, not to be slept on like when it comes to you know engaging millennials yeah. and that's what I've been doing like Do you feel like you could win a win a campaign anywhere now 
or is your Yo, I, more stronger in New Jersey? Man, listen, I'm a strategist. Like, yeah, it, matter. it don't matter where I go. Like, I'm a strategist and I'm an organizer by trade. Like, yeah. I, I was raised as an organizer. Like, I could go any place and be good. Like, you know what I mean? I could go any place, any room, be comfortable and win. Like, okay. I'm, I'm like, I'm that good. Like, yeah, you know what I mean? Okay. Um. Now, the mayoral election in 2018, uh, we do know enough to say that, of course, Raz Barak, our current mayor, is going to run it for re-election. Yeah. He announced that officially. I don't know who's running against him, though. Uh. Well, let's just say, hypothetically, it's Cheneyfield, right? The uh, the Central Ward Councilwoman. Yeah. Uh, what's your opinion on that? You know what I mean? Are you going to... Stick your head in, in Newark's politics this, this next coming around Or will you sit this one out It depends if they got the I don't really right? know enough About Cheney Field To be yeah. honest Okay Like I know Like um You know I know from Like historically She was the council person Prior to this Yeah Um But like I don't really know A lot about her Or her like What her policy views are mm-hmm. So like I don't really know Who I would support Um Like I really I really appreciate The vision of the current mayor Okay And the things he's been trying to do To like really make To create an equitable And sustainable city For all people Okay um, And I think right now The direction of the city Like we in for a population boom Like Okay New Jersey's about to legalize marijuana We ain't talk about that either Yeah 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 um, But like not. Marijuana well, we still got some time still Yeah some time. Marijuana's about to be legalized In New Jersey mm-hmm. And like the inner cities Are gonna see Like a population boom That some people are estimating To be 200,000 or more okay. Like just in like Jersey City, Newark. Patterson, Newark, Hoboken. Like, okay. we're going to see an influx of people from New York coming over here, and Newark is 15 minutes from the city. So, we about to see a huge population boom over here. Okay. You know what I mean? So, like, when that happens, like, you know, we like we need somebody in office who can really fight for the people. You know what I mean? Who's going to be an advocate to see development happen in a way it doesn't displace people who are already here. Mm-hmm. And I think... I can say wholeheartedly that I feel like the mayor he has that. he understands that. Yeah. You know what I mean? And um so like I would just wanna I don't know what Cheney feels like views or whoever else decides to run. Or even her vision for Or that. what her vision is. Like um and until I hear that, like I don't know. Like yeah, you and know who you but I, I do know I, I support our current mayor right now. Like okay. I not and you know, I feel like I, I mean not right now, but I support, you know, what Baraka has been doing. Okay. And um, you know, I hope that Whoever, if he doesn't win, which I think he's going to win at this point, like he's been, he's been doing his thing. Like, is he don't have unless like some a whole bunch of unforeseen things happen over the next couple of months? Who knows? Like politics is like that sometimes. Yeah. Like I see him like uh, moonwalking, yeah, yeah, moonwalking into that reelection. So like, but I support our mayor and I support his vision for the city definitely. Okay. Okay. Uh, you spoke a little bit about the legalization of marijuana. Yeah um, Game changer bro Yeah not only You don't have to speak on how it's going to change New Jersey But from a legality standpoint Mm -hmm. How has that happened? Is it just really just all about Phil Murphy winning in November? Is it it going legislation the first day he he becomes governor? Like like how does that even happen? So it's like So there's two ways that, that this can happen right? Yeah I think the way that's it's going to happen is it's going to, like, right now, um, Senator Scutari from Union, New Jersey, um, from Union County, I think he's actually, yeah, from Union County, um, shout out to him, he introduced a bill um, and a state legislator to, like, legalize marijuana. Um, that bill is going to be, like, completely, like, you know, um, yeah, shout out to him, man, for doing that. That's, like, a big step, like, okay. just having somebody come so it's out already, it's already and say, on paper. it's on paper, but now it's like, all right. Like we got the, the the legislation there, but like now we gotta have a real conversation, right? Mm-hmm. Like we got we got people, we got people who've been like locked up, been harassed, been like over going marijuana. to jail over yeah. marijuana. Yeah. Like what you doing for them people? Yeah. You feel me? Like are, are you go- are they gonna be exonerated? Are their records gonna be wiped over, wiped away? Yeah. How are you gonna deal with marijuana in schools now? Because it's not gonna be it's not gonna be illegal. So like can you still give people like records for having marijuana in school? Can you can you take away their financial aid when they go to college in state for being caught with a mar- with caught, caught with a marijuana and getting yeah. a ticket? Like all those things have to be addressed and right now as the bill's currently written like it doesn't yes. address are those they, things. Are they, are they are they fixing that now or That's where the advocacy be- part comes in. Okay. Um and that, that's what like a lot, I can't really speak on that. Um but like there's some 
people meet me behind the scenes like I'm one of those people to really just um, you know make sure the conversation is being shifted to like you know make sure that we get our peace like yeah. and I ain't, I ain't bashful in saying this shit like black people this should be our industry yeah. like we've been we've been harassed we've been jailed you feel me like we still getting race. jailed more than any other race over marijuana, over marijuana. And, and now, now they want to make and it now easy. all the funders and people are looking at it like this is a cash cow we want this like and now you're just going to take it from us and not give us our part like that's yeah. just not happening well, like not, not, in not, not, in not in 2000 not in 2017 like we're not having that conversation like okay well you could say that but at the same time that has been the narrative for Black America, right? Um, you could discuss the opioid crisis, for example. It would be a good response to that. Would be that, you know what I mean? Back in the 80s when crack cocaine and just cocaine in general was wrecking Black family, Black life in America, there was no such thing as the cocaine crisis or the opioid crisis. There was the war on drugs, which meant locking Black people up for it, you know what I mean? Uh, which is really makes no sense but at the same time how do how do we reverse that engine on the marijuana discussion so i think a lot of this um you know has happened a lot of, a lot of things have, has happened to black people in america right and I, I think the thing that really differentiates those times from these times is that black people got money now you feel okay, me that's true. like back then like we were still establishing ourselves like as a financial class like of people and we got the black middle class is, is, is that I know people were saying oh there's no jobs and there's no jobs right but entrepreneurship is real in America yeah and it's all that's always been the fabric of you know economic opportunity in America is, is entrepreneurship and we have so many different entrepreneurs who are especially in the entertainment industries mm-hmm. that are like really bringing up class whole groups of people okay. into a different tax bracket and because of that like now we have a voice like if when you got money in America, you get a voice. Okay. And now when you when you control industries, you get an even bigger voice. We got people like Jay Z who own Title. Yeah. We got we got real access to media, right? Absolutely. To get our voices out there and to control the narrative. Yeah. Like what has so so far what this has happened to us in that. America is that we haven't been in control of the narrative. Okay. Right. You now got, we control our own narrative. We control our own narrative. When it, when in the history of America have you seen? As many like powerful black documentaries like the Khalif Browder story, mm. like the Thirteenth, right? Yeah. Like those things didn't exist during the, the, the war on drugs. The war on drugs was just a war on us. The only people that actually had opportunity to to talk about it was NWA. Yeah, because they had the platform. Now we got a million NWAs. All these rappers that got followings that mm-hmm. are actually articulate enough to speak and to not articulate because everybody or can talented talk. too, but not even talented, just informed. Okay. Enough to speak on this intelligently, right? Like we gotta tap into those brothers and, and sisters and be like, yo, like we need you. We need you. We need you over here. We need you over there. And they already understand it. Like right before, like we was like kind of like you know it was like gimme, 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 push, 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 push. Like I gotta get mine. Yeah. Like, now we're starting to see the rebuild of like you know that black Boston mentality when everybody's you know working together. Like you know what I mean? Like. How many, we never, like, who would have thought in the 90s, right, that we would see so many East Coast artists living on the West Coast? You know what I mean? During that time, like, when okay. everything big was happening between, you know, yeah. you know, who uh, think, Bad Boy. Who would think Diddy would have a house in L.A. And, yeah. be, and, be, and be really stationed out in L.A.? Yeah, who would think Jay-Z would be able to live over in L.A. in Calabasas? Like, yeah. You know what I mean? Okay. So, like, the, we're more together now than we, we ever have been. And then when you, when you couple that into the fact that that Obama's out of the White House. Yeah. And, like, we don't have, like, you know, that, that pacifier that keeps us, like, you know, satisfied or okay. feeling like we get in progress. Now that we got somebody who could be completely be the enemy and we're okay with that in Trump. Yeah. Like, now we're going to see it even more so. Like, everybody's together. Everybody's rocking together as a people. And that's going to be what allows us to get what we need to get out of this industry. Like, you know... My big and to close out on this, when I look at the Kennedys, mm-hmm. and I look at how when when alcohol prohibition ended, and they allowed the Kennedys and the Jameson, Jameson and all them brands who were operating illegally mm-hmm. to come back, and they created a pathway for those organizations to come back in and operate in the marketplace legally. Okay, we need to be doing that same stuff with marijuana. Yeah, like if we got if you know you got a, a brother who's manufacturing two hundred. 
like you know a million dollars worth of marijuana a year yeah like that's illegal that's a legit business at that point yeah you need to figure out a way how do you could tax that and bring him into the fold and not dismantle him through the law enforcement right yeah because that's what's happening like you know people people are like are really making real money in this and you know in the marijuana like industry but they're being in new jersey and in other states where it's illegal but they're being attacked by the federalities mm-hmm. you know by the, you know by local police like yeah. their, their business is being disrupted and it's only causing more problems and more crime okay. so like the way that we think about you know marijuana policing has to change like we can't think about it as it's like we gotta think about it as legit business opportunity to like you know to create revenue for the states and like that's what this you know this this change in consciousness is happening like nationally okay like now you see Cory Booker able to come out and say like yo like I've always felt this way but now there's a space for me to say it yeah you feel me like Cory Booker I don't look at him as just taking this is it's an opportunity yes absolutely for him to be ahead of the curve on other politicians but like yeah let's be real like Cory Booker was the mayor of Newark you think people in his administration, and this is like no shot at anybody. Yeah. You think there wasn't one person in his administration who smoked marijuana and he found about it and decided not to fire them? Let's be real. Like this people, like this shit is this 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 is real stuff, right? Yeah. Like people people use marijuana. Yeah. And like politicians know people use marijuana. Yeah. People in their offices may use marijuana. Yeah. And maybe like, even the politicians themselves. You, maybe, never know. you never know, right? But at the same time. Like if you if the public support like how we talked about Hillary okay if the, the public, public opinion changes changes now I'm free to say what I always felt okay and now I'm free to be the person I want to be like being a politician you got shackles on you bro okay like you got shackles from you can't say certain you can't things. say certain things and then and then if you like when not only you can't say certain things when you, when you when you got donors who may be competing interests mm-hmm. may have competing you business interests can't say it. you definitely can't say nothing so it's like you know like you got to understand that this like you know yours like when you put yourself in a position to run for office mm-hmm. like you putting yourself in a very boxed in confined environment you're only allowed to move so much to the left so much to the right so much to the up so much to the down so okay. like once the public opinion you know moves and expands that box that you can that you can reach from like you can come out and say the things that Cody Booker is saying he's talking about this stuff from a social justice perspective He's saying, "Yo, it's wrong that we've locked up so many black people for this." Yeah, like we need he he short stop is saying reparations, but goddamn, like if this yeah. ain't if that's not what he alluding to, then I don't know who what else we talking about. Okay, all right, well, that was pretty much my last question, man. Bro. Shout out to Mike Hobbs, man. He really broke it down for the listener. Uh, if you didn't get you you ain't soak up a lot of game in that last hour of podcasting, man. I feel sorry for you. You should have been listening. Need to listen back to it twice again. Mike Hobbs, man. Shout out to you, man. Salute to you because you're one of the few people out here that are uh, representing black interests in these uh, corporate board meetings, politician board meetings, whatever you want to call it. Uh, Give the people your social media, how they can find you, uh, your name of your company again, um, and uh, how they can get in contact with you, man. So um, I'm on Instagram. I'm also on Twitter. Um, Right now, my social media handle is Mike is Nort. and my my company is More Strategies. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can find us. We don't. I don't have a website. Like a lot of people be like, "Yo, like you don't got a website?" Nah, because I don't want my clients out there. I don't want people knowing who I'm getting money from. Really. Yeah. And then on top of that, like we social media people. I got pages. Like you feel me? Like I got a LinkedIn. Like that's more. That, that gets me more in contact with my client base than like having a website that nobody knows about. Okay. So like being able to use LinkedIn strategically, like, you know, you can find me on LinkedIn. It's morestrategies.com. That link will take you to my LinkedIn page. You can like and follow the page on there and just get updates about what we're doing and the stuff we're working on. Like we're really trying to change some things in this country for black people and for millennials um, and just shake up the game. Okay, man. Shout out to you, man. Shout out to the War Report. Yo, thank time. you. Yo, word up. Thanks for having me out here, man. The War Report. Shout out to the War Report like, radio series on iTunes. Go on to iTunes podcast section, guys. Like, subscribe. Uh, War Report radio series. As soon as you type it in, it comes right up. Uh, Twitter feed, War, at War Report Radio. Instagram handle, War underscore Report underscore Radio. Uh, we're signing out. This has been Jared Adams. Chilling with my main man, Mike Hobbs. Mr. Hobbs more strategies. We're doing it big. Peace. Peace.